You may not always see it, but there is a lot of sweet in every mess and in all of the mundane. Exodus 3.8 is a promise to deliver us from the brokenness of life into one filled with hope. We are here to remind you of God's faithfulness and how His love can lead you into a land flowing with milk and honey. Join us, Lindsay and Amaris, as we get raw and share practical wisdom for all things marriage, motherhood, faith, and womanhood. So grab a cup of coffee and get cozy. This is the Milk and Honey Podcast. Hey friends, welcome back to another episode of the Milk and Honey Podcast. This is Amaris and I'm here with Lindsay. Hey friends. And today we are talking about the church and getting involved in a community and seeing the church ultimately as family. So church is family. That statement will either resonate with you or trigger you. When I say the word family, a lot of us have a picture that goes on in in our minds. And so either your family was a place of emotional and physical safety where you felt accepted and loved, or maybe your home was divisive and disorderly and overwhelming. Either of those pictures can change the way that we view church as a family. If our family was healthy, then we have an expectation of what the church should behave like. People should be committed to one another, selfless, serving, available. And sometimes the church is just so far from that. And so then we have missed expectations and we feel offended and hurt. Or if you come from a dysfunctional home like myself, then the idea that church is supposed to operate as a family can then trigger fear and make you think that, well, I don't want church to operate like a family because my family was so far from what it should have been. Yeah. I think that also, just as you say that, Amaris, really resonates with me in the sense of God as a father and that people who struggle with the concept of God as a father often struggle because their idea of an earthly father is so tainted and distorted. And I think it flows in the same way that we have to reset our minds and our perspectives because the earthly is not the eternal, you know? Yeah. That's a really good point. Exactly. We have to learn to retrain our minds and see the church through the lens of scripture and Mm -hmm. not through the lens of trauma or the way that we feel. Yeah. Nick, my husband, and I have a discipleship group. So every single week, I mentioned this in the hosting episode, and we can link that back in our show notes. But we have a group that comes to our house nearly every single Thursday, and they are our disciples. They have are people that have like legitimately said, we want to be discipled by you. We want to be mentored by you. So it's essentially like a small church. You know, we pastor them, we lead them, we disciple them, and we and encourage them to look more like Jesus. They imitate us as we imitate Christ, like Paul spoke about in Corinthians. So we were having a meeting maybe a year or two ago about our group behaving like a family. There were many individuals within our group who were really offended at the entire group over some issues that had happened. So Nick and I decided that we were going to have a meeting letting everyone, and there's nearly 20 people, air all of their grievances. (laughs) We asked each person, I know it's kind of shocking, and we kind of set ourselves up for failure. This was a really, it was a really rough night. <laughs> I, know, I can only imagine the dynamic of that. I mean, that's really bold, yeah. but yeah, that's that's a lot of people. In addition to that, 
everyone is very vocal and strong. Mm. Like we have a very strong group of people where they're always their majority of them are very leader like and an opinionated in personality. So thankfully my husband's very good at communication and <laughs> directing conversation. Yeah. <laughs> but we asked every person what their observations were of our specific team. What did they like? What did they not like? And what they thought needed to change? It was a somber evening to say the least, but it really just needed to happen. We needed to confront the behaviors and heart issues of the group in order to love one another the way we had been called to do so. So one person in particular really blessed me that night. He said to me, this group to me is like family. Yes, it may be a little bit dysfunctional. It has its issues, but I know that you all have my back no matter what. That's cool. Yeah, it was encouraging for me. So some background. Since we've been married, so seven years, we had been, you know, working with this group of people and ministering to them and trying to shape our team to really function as family. And so we've been desiring this goal of a family feel within with these groups. And a lot of these people don't even have like really good family. Like they, a lot of them come from like abandonment and like a lot of issues like mm. that. So they really are with us on holidays and stuff oh, like wow. that. But so we had made it our goal to really kind of bring people into a family atmosphere like and reflect what the church is supposed to look like in their lives. I mean, it has been really hard to do this with this group of people because we are broken and dysfunctional people. Nick and I, you know, being saved much longer and having more understanding and knowledge of the word and who God is, we are still broken and sinful people who are trying to be the hands and feet of Christ and, and walking in the spirit of God but we fail so much. So when this guy in our group came along and said that we were like a family, but a dysfunctional family, I'll take it. (laughs) You know, it was a win for me because we had been striving for this goal of a family feeling within our group for seven years. And that's just the reality of the way that the church looks. It's that It kind of is a dysfunctional family. Our God is not dysfunctional. He is perfect. He is unchanging. He is constant. But we, the church, who he loves and he died for, we are broken and dysfunctional to some extent. You know, we're striving and growing and maturing as believers, so we're changing. But in the meantime, offense happens. Sin happens. But it's still the way that the church is supposed to look. So I want you to think about it for a second. If Nick and I were to go to an orphanage and decide that we wanted to adopt a child, we want to make this child a beecher. So he or she would then come home and then that child would become a beecher. They would come to all of our beecher family gatherings, all of our events. He or she would share a bedroom with my son or my daughter. When they would go to school, if someone wanted to say, Beecher is Beecher here. That that child would then raise their hand because they're identifying as a Beecher. And they're not just playing the role of a Beecher. They are a Beecher because we, as the parents, have chosen to adopt that child. And we would go and say, we want you. You are our baby. You will be a Beecher too. You know, so that's what adoption looks like. This is us. Mm. right? This is Christians. Your names are not Beechers, (laughs) right? But your name is Christian. 
we now have the name of Christ. We have been adopted. And so now we need to take on our role within the Christian family now that we're part of the whole family of God. Yeah, that's really cool. That's a good analogy to help understand it and see how impactful and important that role is. I think of the verse, for just as the body is one and has many members and all the members of the body, though many are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit, we were all baptized into one body and all were made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. And that it's just members of a family. You know, that's really what it is. Amaris, you know, I was talking to you about a blog post that I wrote. I'll tell our listeners a little bit about it. So I wrote a post a few months back titled A Letter to the Christian Who Hasn't Been to Church in a While. And it talks about the struggles that many people I love and am surrounded by and the struggles that they've faced in the church and why and how we're called to push through them as believers. And It did relatively well in the beginning, but the post was recently shared by some pretty large platforms. And rather than this being an exciting thing, it honestly has been a really hard thing because not only have I received a lot of angry emails about the letter, but I've been really broken by the responses that I've received from people who have been hurt by the church. I have received hundreds and hundreds of emails Mm -hmm. from people who have felt as if they were outcasts. They have felt like the pastor's messages were watered down to suit the congregation and that they weren't teaching the word. And so they left. They felt neglected because they got sick or they got a divorce and they were hurt and angry because the church didn't reach out to them when they left and they felt abandoned. And that is, you guys, just the top of the list. And I wish I could speak to every one of those issues and hurts and complaints because I know that that's a very real pain and we have experienced something similar, which I'll get into a little bit later. But this is hard, especially for people who do consider the congregation to be their own family. And Amaris, I love what you said about sitting down with your community group and just allowing them to air their grievances because That's what we're called to do. You spoke face-to-face. You talked it out. Your friends didn't leave the community group and vow to never return because they were frustrated. They didn't go to other people and gossip and talk about their issues. They didn't hop to other community groups because they were uncomfortable. They faced the hurt. They dealt with the confusion and the distrust or whatever it was that they felt, and they worked through it as a family. So I think that's really cool. Matthew 18, 15 through 17 says, If your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he listens to you, you have gained your brother or sister. But if he does not listen, take one or two others along with you, that every charge may be established by the evidence of two or three witnesses. And if he refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. So I say that to remind you all that there are grievances you're going to face in the church. It's a family. You're broken sinners coming together to try to love one another well, to work together, to serve together, different personality types. There has to be immense grace when you're going to church, just like there has to be immense grace when you're going to Christmas dinner. (laughs) You know, like you have to have the same perspective of you've got the crazy uncle over there and you've got the really difficult, quiet person there. And it's just dying to yourself more than anything and choosing to continue to love these people even when it's hard. 
and I speak to this just because it's been so prominent with these emails that I've been receiving, that if you feel that you've been wronged, go to one another. Mm-hmm. Don't allow your hurt to fester or create bitterness. That is exactly what the enemy wants. He wants to pull you as far away from the church as he possibly can. He wants to destroy your faith in Christians. He wants to destroy your fellowship. And more than anything, you guys, hear me on this. He wants you to believe that the failure of a Christian or the failure of a pastor directly reflects the nature of Christ and his church. And there is no greater lie. We are Christians, small Christs, right? That is what we're intended to be. But the reason that we need a savior and we need Christ is because we need to be washed by his blood because we are impure and broken. Mm -hmm. We do not perfectly emulate Christ. Your pastor, your worship team, they will never perfectly emulate Christ. And that is where grace comes in, the grace that comes from Christ. That is how we are to look like Christ, not to be perfect in our walk and that we can't expect those people to be perfect in their walk, but we can strive to emulate his grace, his unconditional love, his understanding of the faults and failures in their lives and love them as we love a family. Right. And the scripture tells us that the enemy walks around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour, right? And if you watch Discovery Channel, the lions do not go and attack all of the gazelles in a herd, right? He waits until the gazelle has walked a little bit away from the herd, and then he attacks the gazelle. So that is the same logic that applies with Christianity. When you are in a fellowship, it protects you from deception. Mm-hmm. There's accountability and people are going to call things out on you. And yes, it's painful, but it keeps you in Christ. You're not easy prey for the enemy when you are in community, when you are in fellowship. That is why the early church who was persecuted to death, right? They met together every single day to pray and to have fellowship. Why? Because they were being persecuted so much. But when we meet together all the time, when we have fellowship and community, it guards us against the deceptions and the lies of the enemy and against being the weak prey. There's your Discovery Channel tip. (laughs) I love that. That's really good, though. That's really helpful. So here's the thing. What does scripture say about the church and our commitment to it? So let's look at Hebrews 10, 23, verse 25. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. We cannot spur one another on toward love and good deeds if we're not in community. And this is possibly Paul speaking here. He's telling us, do not give up meeting together. It's hard. It's people. They're going to offend you. There's going to be issues. But do not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. But let's encourage one another. That is the key to staying in community is encouragement. And then Matthew 18, verse 20, for where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am with them. Some people will want to say that I'm just going to do church by myself or I can be a Christian. I don't have to go to church in order to be Christian. But it's when two or three are gathered 
in the name of Christ, that that's where God's presence is. Mm. And that's a beautiful, beautiful thing. And then in addition to that, the scriptures tell us that if we love Christ, then we will obey his commands. We meet with the family of believers out of love and reverence for the sacrifice that Jesus paid. Like anything we do, we aren't doing just good things to earn favor with God. We are doing good things out of our love and affection for what Jesus has done for us. And as a mother and a wife, one of the best ways that someone can love me is by loving well my children and husband. And it's no different with Jesus. Can you imagine if someone came up to me and said, Amherst, I love you so much, but I really just hate your husband. I think he's crap. (laughs) I would really be offended. Or if someone did that about my kids, you know, like if someone came up to me and like, yeah, yeah, exactly. (laughs) They're like, your kid's stupid. Uh, I would be like, oh, Jesus, I need you to intercede for me right now, Holy Spirit. Um, But that's the thing. And yet so many of us operate with that attitude toward Jesus and his bride, which is the church. We say we love him, but we don't want to act like we love his bride. We want nothing to do with his bride. She really is just a difficult inconvenience for us. Like so many of us just think about that. Like think of Jesus' bride as an inconvenience for us. And it should not be so. Yeah. And that's really helpful and encouraging to kind of envision it as, again, your family or your connection. And a lot of people say, you know, I'm a Christian, but I don't have to go to church in order to love Jesus. And that is true. We don't have to do this. And as you mentioned, Amaris, this isn't to earn favor with God. This is so that we can learn more about Him. And when we surrender our lives to the Lord, we naturally desire, like this desire just grows in us to learn more about him, to be a part of the body and to be held accountable and pointed toward that sanctification because we're called to live out an active faith. So when we are given a new heart because we've surrendered our lives to Jesus, then we're given the opportunity to leave the past life behind us and to move forward to a new life, which includes being a part of the church and knowing that the church isn't a building or a set of programs or events that we are this family coming together to love God more, to serve God more, and to be a witness to these people on the outside and saying like, here is a place of hope for you. And to not Mm -hmm. grow resentful of that just because of what the world says that the church is, or to not allow ourselves to become distracted by I mean, things that seem more pleasant on a Sunday morning, you know? So I completely agree that it's choosing that. Like just as we choose our husband, it is choosing to be a part of this family, a part of this church. Yeah. And a lot of this commitment that we should have to the church, again, not out of a legalization standpoint, but from a faithful, excited, hopeful standpoint that I get to be a part of this church. People in third world countries would kill to be able to worship God freely and to not hide underground to open their Bible. I mean, it is such a liberty for us. It is such a beautiful opportunity. And yet we make excuse after excuse to not go to church. And I will speak up right now and admit, especially when I first had kids, 
this is something that I had to fight toward. Like, I am stinking tired. I just want to sleep in this morning. My baby is napping. I just want to do this. But as soon as I start making excuses for one thing, then I come up with another excuse next time. And people will say, I love Jesus, but I just don't do church. Or like I said earlier, I don't have to go to church to love God. But we have to get to a point where we understand that this relationship, this fellowship is what grows us. We are not reliant upon this to sustain our relationship with Jesus because that needs to exist in your one-on-one time with the Lord. That needs to be something that you're pouring into, being intentional about, and not relying upon the church. Because a lot of people who will use the excuse, my pastor just doesn't pour enough into me. If he is teaching the Bible, which is the most important thing, like be a Berean, which means to check everything that your pastor says by the word of God. You should be doing that. If it doesn't line up, leave that church. The prosperity gospel is not truth. You should be rich. You should be healthy. God wants this for your life. Like Jesus suffered. God's people suffered. And that is how we grow. And scripture tells us consistently we're going to suffer and struggle. God is not abandoning you when that happens. But if a pastor is teaching that, You need to compare his words to your scripture because they're not lining up. But for a pastor who is teaching the word of God and you still come in regularly and say, oh, he's not feeding me. I'm not growing. I'm not learning. That's on you. You know, you need to be fighting for that relationship. You need to be consistently seeking the Lord through prayer and his word because one hour a week is not sufficient. It's just not. And so we have to fight the urge to make excuses, to not make it to church or to find justification as in, I can grow on my own. I can do this on my own because yes, you can listen to teachings online. You can listen to worship while you're getting ready and taking a shower, but you cannot have that solid accountability and fellowship that comes with being a part of a community. Yeah. We want to take a quick second to talk to you all about a product that we love called FabFitFun. Amaris and I were so giddy when we received our own boxes in the mail. If you haven't heard about FabFitFun, it's a seasonal box with full-size beauty, fitness, and lifestyle products. You don't get those tiny samples, you guys. You get the really good stuff and for a seriously affordable price. Each season's box offers a variety of incredible quality brands like Tarte, Kate Somerville, Anthropology, Free People, and Dr. Brand just to name a few. They always sell out quickly, so don't wait too long. Check out www.fabfitfun.com and use the code MHPOD. That's fabfitfun.com, M-H-P-O-D, so that you can save $10 off your first box, making it only $39.99. And I know that sometimes we can think, okay, community is really good, but what about for me, because I have small children. And like Lindsay said, like we get it. It can be hard when you're really tired. I'm, you know, I'm a mom of three. So I understand how my schedule has to adjust. My children's schedule has to adjust, but it's for the glory of God and for the goodness of my children. I cannot be more emphatic on that enough. It is for the goodness of your children that you are adjusting their schedule for Jesus. You're teaching them how to bend their will to God's at the very beginning. 
And that's how to make a disciple, you know? For three children, we've had to skip morning naps. For three different children, we've had to adjust our schedule. And like they would go tired. Many, many Sundays I've been called out of church because my child is, my baby is crying because they're tired or they're hungry. And I would have to nurse while they are doing worship. And I miss worship and I miss sermon because of the baby. But you know what? The commitment to the church is a pattern that I want to teach my children from the beginning. In other countries, people are being killed because they're attending church. You know, they're having to do underground churches because of their love for God. And we are just inconvenienced and we give up meeting together with the brethren. And that's just not how it's supposed to be. And I want to challenge that logic. Would you, if your daughter's ballet class was an early morning and you had to miss the nap with the baby to get your daughter to ballet, you know, or football practice or all these different things, these extracurricular things that we tell our children, no, you have to go to this or you have to finish your homework or you have to, we have these obligations that our children have to do. But then when it comes to church, we're dismissive of that. What type of example is that really setting for our children that when something is challenging or uncomfortable or a little bit hard, oh, it's okay. You don't have to do it. Mm -hmm. No, that's not the type of example that I want to lead my children in. Yeah, I can relate very much so. And like I said at the beginning, we're not coming from a place of judgment. Right. You know, we both have really fought through this in different ways. And honestly, I think Amaris is a great example for me because in our home, my husband works Monday through Saturday, pretty much. And so our Sundays, and that's like morning till evening. And so our Sundays are our days. And there are a lot of moments that are really tempting to me to be like, let's go camping or let's go hiking or let's go to the zoo. And I wake up feeling that, but then it comes exactly back to that. One, I want to be a part of this community. I want to be a consistent part of the community that people can rely upon. And I want my family to see my commitment to God and his word and his church. And it's an hour, you know, it's an hour plus like 30 minutes for me because I serve. But with that, like really, what is that time? You know, and and just to have that mindset of creating space for it and not allowing anything to interrupt that. Mm -hmm. And for those of you with kids, like we get it. Most of the time I'm holding my baby in my arms while I'm serving in hospitality and making coffees. Literally my kids come behind the bar and I'm picking them up while making coffees. And my husband sometimes has to work on Sundays. He's in real estate. And so if he gets called out for a specific showing or whatever it might be, I have to take both kids to church by myself, but that doesn't stop me from going. I want to be there even if my husband can't come, even if it's hard, even if it's super, super stressful and we're running out the door. You know, once we get there, we are always glad that we went. Right. Yeah. That's exactly the truth. It's so good. And again, we're not talking about this in a legalistic way. Like if your kids have snotty noses, please keep them home. <laughs> yes. <laughs> please, please. For the rest of us, keep your snotty kids at home. As well as an encouragement, my oldest now is in like big kids church and he adores church. Mm-hmm. Every Sunday he is coming home and he's talking to us about how he loves God We're even now to this point starting to see him in his own personal private life praying. 
like where, mm. where he gets frustrated with his sister, I see him saying, dear God, please fix my sister. You know, that's so cute. <laughs> but, but he's learning to talk with God at the age of five and a half because yeah. of the church, because of what other people are instilling in him. And you have to realize, ladies, we can't do it on our own. Like we cannot parent on our own. And if we want our children to be disciples of Christ, we need other people to come alongside us and help us disciple our children. And that's the value of being in a congregation and being in a community is that your kids get that community too. Plus, I will say it's built-in best friends and they're really good, safe people <laughs> for your children yeah. to be around. Sometimes. I mean, yeah. You yeah, don't want to promise yeah, that. majority right? of the time. <laughs> you know that scripture that's like in Matthew, I think it's chapter 19, but it's about the the people that would bring their children to Jesus and have Jesus bless them. I've often wondered about those children whose parents brought them to Jesus to pray for them and they how probably some of those children probably had to miss their naps, they had to eat a later lunch, maybe they were fussy or overstimulated because of the crowds that they were in. But for the rest of their lives, they would know that mommy and daddy brought them to Jesus. How cool is that? That they would know for the rest of their lives that they got to be touched by the hands of Jesus. For the rest of their lives, they would be changed because the Lord took them into his arms and interceded for their souls. And every Sunday, parents, we Christians have an opportunity to bring our little ones to Jesus. That's what this is. And so it might be disruptive. It might be challenging. It might be inconvenient, but that's a good thing. It's a good thing to do this for your kids starting at a young age. Yeah. Yeah, that's really good. I have just like how Andrew's praying. Sutton, <laughs> it's my favorite because we'll always ask him, what'd you learn today about Jesus and God, mom? Can I please have a pretzel now? <laughs> like, <laughs> okay, Sut, sure. So his stuff comes out later. Like, cause he, after church, like he wants to go play and run around with all of his friends and cousins. He loves church too. He like Saturday night, he knows we get church tomorrow morning, which is mm. really exciting for me. You know, mm. the other day he fell and he was all, it's okay, mom. I just need to get back up and try again because I'm a warrior of God, which means I'm strong. And I was like, oh, that's God. I was like, it's just really cool to see. And there are things that are, he's learning that I may not teach him. That terminology is not necessarily something that I say often. And so he's learning from other people and surrounding himself with other children who are learning different things as well. And it's really cool. And he's learning alongside other kids and he's in the children's ministry being taught by these people who are volunteering their time to teach him about the word of God. And they have different perspectives than I have, which is really cool. So a lot of you might know, some of you might know that my father-in-law is a pastor. He's actually a pastor of a Calvary church here in our town and we currently live with him while we renovate our house. We have about a month left, and mm -hmm. I cannot wait to have our own home. Mm -hmm. But our time here has been so sweet, and it's been so good. And I've had a behind-the-scenes look at how many complaints my father-in-law gets about the church. He gets complaints about the worship which I think is amazing, by the way. I wish I could share it with all of you. Our worship leader's voice is insane. Um, but he gets complaints about the teaching. He gets complaints about people who don't feel as if they've been loved on enough or don't fit in. They don't have a lot of friends, you name it. And I see my mother and my father-in-law in their day-to-day -day lives. And 
you guys, they're seriously the real deal. They pour absolutely everything that they have into this church and to its people. They don't rest from praying for them. And yet people still have complaints. And that's because it's a congregation. There are so many people and so many needs. And what I've realized more than anything is that you and my father-in-law, my mother-in-law, they can only do so much to meet the needs and demands of every single person in the church. Everyone has preferences. Everyone has ideas. And as much as they're trying to pour these things out, sometimes they are just unable to do so. But (laughs) this is a point I really want to hone in on. The thing is, you guys, if you see a need in your church, your pastor probably sees it too. And many of the issues that you may have with your church, like that they don't have enough people in the children's ministry or the worship could be better, or you don't feel greeted when you come in the door, whatever it might be, those things can be fixed by you, Mm -hmm. by you, Mm -hmm. you guys. These issues cannot be fixed without people who have a heart that is willing to serve. Church is not meant to be consumed. A lot of us go in with the idea of like, I'm here to be entertained. And that is the wrong heart to have. The church is intended to be filled with people willing and ready to serve. So I want to just say like, before you complain to your pastor or stop attending church because of things that bother you, aside from it not being a Bible-believing church. We are all about a Bible-believing church. If your church is not Bible-believing, as I said, just get out. But aside from that, like these preferences that you might have, do your part. Ask yourself, where can I serve? What can I do to help my church family and my pastor with the needs that I see? Go to your pastor or your pastor's wife and ask, where is there a need? Like, where is there a huge need right now? How can I help you? How can I step in? Mm -hmm. And I guarantee your heart and perspective will shift tremendously if you're going in and looking at it with this mindset. And let me just say, if you don't believe in big building church and that's a struggle for you and you don't like the pastors with the skinny jeans, if these things really get under your skin and you can't get past it, and you believe that the home fellowships are what Jesus intended for, we understand that. But be sure to live it out. Don't just say that you think that that's what God intended in scripture and then never attend a home church or open your doors to lead your own. That's probably another topic for another day, but I just want to mention it briefly. And I like to go back to the verse Ephesians 4, 11 through 12. It says, so Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. This is in scripture. A lot of people say, oh, the church is just an American thing or the church is just made up by the Christians. No, this is Christ himself who gave the apostles, the teachers, the pastors, so that the body of Christ may be built up. And that's just really important for us to hone in on and remember. Yeah, that's so good. Yeah, church is not meant for consumerism. It's not meant for you if you just don't get what you want out of a church and okay, well, then I'm just going to leave and go to the next church until you do get it. That's just not, that's not how family works. And that's the essence and the point of this entire episode is that you don't just quit your family when they're like, your mom, your turkey sucks. You know, I'm going to leave. I'm not coming back on Thanksgiving anymore because it's, you know what I mean? Like that's just not 
logical and it's not relational. Right. And that's not how family works. Family is not consumerism. It's not gimme, gimme, gimme. It's a working and healthy relationship. Yeah, that's really good. And that's the thing, you guys, is there are seasons maybe when you need to leave a church. So Jesse and I, we were a part of a church that kind of imploded. A lot of stuff happened in that church and it was really devastating. It hurt a lot of people. The pastor was completely excommunicated from the church basically for a lot of things. And we were damaged because that was where we grew. I mean, we grew immensely from when we were saved. When we were married, we were going to that church. When we were engaged, we were going. But as we saw the church pulling in different directions because of what had happened, we saw the organization crumbling. We saw the fellowship crumbling. A lot of people were leaving. It was just really messy. And I mean, we stayed for a while, but what we realized was it it's just time for us to go, you know? And so this for us was a really hard decision and it wasn't something that was just taken lightly. We ended up finding another church that was Bible believing that we already had community in, um, which was really important for us. And that was close to our home because we have found when churches are far from our home, it makes it really hard to engage and remain in that fellowship. And so with the implosion of our church, it was something that we prayed about for a long time. It was something that we discussed as a family. It was something that we discussed in our community group of leaving that church and some people didn't agree with it, you know, and that was really challenging because it challenged our perspective of, are we being consumers? Are we just wanting to go because we're more comfortable? But as time went on and we sought the Lord, we truly felt like we were being called elsewhere. And so I would say if if you're wanting to leave your church because something makes you uncomfortable, speak to someone, speak to an elder, speak to somebody that you trust and love. And receive their wisdom. Listen into what they have to say because sometimes we're led by our emotions and you don't want to do that. You want to be led by the spirit. Mm -hmm. But if you're going to go somewhere else, make sure it's a Bible-believing church. Make sure that they're rooted and that their theology is solid. Make sure that there is a place that you can get involved and that they have community groups or somewhere that you can really become integrated in the church and not just walk in the doors and walk out. Right. Lindsay had mentioned previously about if a church is talking about prosperity gospel or if they take scripture out of context or they're they're not they're preaching an idea that may like, well, this doesn't align up with scripture. If that happens and it's not a consistent thing, then I would just go and talk to the pastor. Like go and address those things with people in leadership and ask those questions. Is the teaching based upon the word? of God and go and find out if that was their intention. Was their intention to be, you know, like error from the word of God? The pastors are sinful people too. You know, sometimes they're going to speak off of their emotions. Sometimes they're going to teach because someone made them angry. And so if something is really sinful and an error against the word, well then go and talk to them about it. And if it's like a consistent pattern, then I would say leave. But we just don't want to be people that are constantly looking as church as consumerism and like you're not planting your roots because then it's going to be really hard for a shepherd to be shepherding people if people are always leaving because they're offended or if there's different yeah. issues. And this is kind of going into our last point, which is mentorship and community, which is the ultimate goal of being in a church. It's to become a disciple 
of Christ. And that's not going to happen just by you floating. It's going to happen by you putting your roots down. It's going to happen by the intimate community that's going to provide accountability and, and help you to move from surface level Christianity to discipleship like we've been talking about. That's where the real growth happens. That's where your marriage is provided safety and accountability. That's where your children can flourish. That's where relationships can flourish. When you have a baby, you take that baby and you go to the doctor often, right? You get the check, the the six-week or the two-week checkup, then you get the six-week checkup, and then you get the three-month checkup. You do all of that because you want to know that your baby is developing healthfully. You want to know that your baby is growing. That should be the same way that we function in the family of God. We want to know that you're growing, that you were not the same person that you were six months ago, that you're not the same person that you were a year ago, that you are growing to look more like Christ. And as a family, we should be watching to make sure that our family members are growing and that they're healthy, that we're checking. If something looks like, what's that mole? What's that lump that you've got growing there? You know what I mean? Like you're going to call it out. You're going to ask questions about the lump on their back because you want them to be healthy. And so when people come along and they're asking you questions and, and providing accountability, that's because they want you to be healthy. And that's the value and beauty in mentorship and community groups. That's what happens. And if you are trying to find a mentor, go to the community groups, go to the small groups that your church offers, go to these types of things and meet the people in leadership in the church. And then when you find someone that you mesh with, if you find someone you're like, wow, their story is similar to mine, or they can help you move from point A to point B and they look and they reflect Christ. Okay, we'll say, hey, can you mentor me? I have many mentors. I have mentors that help me in my marriage and in my family, like in the way that they teach me how to mother. And then I have business mentors and then I have ministry mentors. Like I have multiple mentors and that's the beauty of being in church that you can find so many different people that can mentor you in so many different facets of your life. Yeah, yeah that's so true. Community has been life-changing for us. I don't think I talk to one person <laughs> and ask without asking them if they're part of a community group because it has just really impacted our marriage. Mm. We feel free to be vulnerable and talk about our struggles openly and to not feel ashamed of those things. It has allowed us to really just understand the importance of having people in your life who are going through similar seasons and having people in your life who have gone through them in the past and can speak into your life. We probably wouldn't still be married <laughs> if it weren't for community groups at the beginning of our marriage, honestly. Mm -hmm. That was so impactful. Those people were so impactful. And as I speak about this, this love that I have for them is so overwhelming. And I met them through church. There are people that I probably would have never chosen to hang out with on my own because we're so different. We have such different lifestyles, such different hobbies, habits, and yet we all came together with the same foundation of Christ and were able to create really solid and beautiful friendships. Yeah. That's the display of the gospel. Mm -hmm. You find people that look nothing like you. You find people that act nothing like you, but yet you love them so much. We sin and we screw up and we fail each other, but then we keep on loving them. Why? Because 
that is the gospel. Mm -hmm. That is what Christ has done for us. And that's what ultimately we have the opportunity to do in church is be a visual example, a visual presentation of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Mm. The opportunity for us when we are planted within a church, we can forgive the way Christ has forgiven us. We can love the way that Christ has loved us. We can reconcile the way that we reconciled with God. We can lay down our life the way that Christ has laid down his. Mm. That's the beauty and the opportunity within community groups, within being a part of the church as a family. Together, we can display the gospel of God. Together, we can glorify the name of God. Mm -hmm. So we love you guys, and we pray that you put your roots down, that you attach to the church, the local church, that you get involved with the community, that you serve, that you find mentorship, because that's ultimately where every aspect of your life is going to flourish and grow alongside God. We love you guys. Bye. Hey guys, if you enjoyed this episode, you may also enjoy episode six, what to say when you don't know how to pray. Episode nine, determining who you want to be in 2019. Episode 11, how to love your people well. And episode 21, opening your home. Thank you all so much for listening to this week's episode of the Milk and Honey Podcast. If you liked what you heard, please take a second to visit our page on iTunes to subscribe, rate, and review our podcast. It would mean so much to us. Your review helps the show to be found by other women like you, and it also helps us to continuously grow and become better as a podcast. For a daily pick-me-up, follow me, Lindsay, on Instagram at Sparrows and Lily and Amorous at Amorous Beecher. Tune in next week for more laughter, fun, hope, and encouragement. Bye, guys.